on a bit of a winning streak. But is it a good thing? It's definitely too late to do anything with this season. But anyways, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about the last two wins on a dominating performance and a dominating performance by Carey Price. I mean, both games great by Carey Price. Some general news about the Habs, who's been doing better. What new acquisition has improved a key aspect of the Canadians' game and maybe would have helped earlier in the season, but, you know, whatever. Also, the big conversation on Twitter, should the Canadians be tanking? Should teams tank? Or is tanking good? Is tanking bad? Should we be celebrating losses? Should we be celebrating wins? Dustin, we're going to talk about <laughs> that too. And uh, today we have our first prospect. Uh, we did the same thing last year, so uh, you did a poll again? Yep, yeah, we did a poll again on uh, which 2020 NHL draft prospect you guys wanted us to talk about. Uh, so the guy that was voted the top was Jamie Drysdale. Interesting. It's such a offense-heavy draft that the, the one defenseman that's look, looking to go high is the one everyone wants us to talk about. Yeah, well, I think he'd look pretty good in a Habs jersey. Oh, oh. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll learn more about that later. And, of course, uh, general news about prospects and uh, – the uh, Laval Rocket, who are back to their, their losing ways, you know, like the like the main team. Well, the main team is winning, actually, but whatever. Let's get right into it. So since the last podcast, Dustin, uh, the first game to talk about, 4-2 loss against Edmonton, making it the second eight-game losing streak of the season. Quite an impressive feat. Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't see that too often. No, definitely, definitely not in playoff teams, that's for sure. <laughs> that's uh, true. Probably, I would say probably never. I mean, I would be curious to know if that's if a team's ever made the playoffs. Probably not. Uh, yeah. yeah. Two, so, I mean, if they do, when they make the playoffs, two, of course, it's going to be, be legendary. On a 20-game uh, winning streak. <laughs> so, they, they lose 4-2 against Edmonton. Uh, the last goal was an empty net goal, which means every single loss in that A-game losing streak was either by one goal or by two goals with the la- the, the last goal being an empty net goal. So basically all one-goal games. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I mean that's kind of a good sign, I guess. It's better to lose by one than lose by five every night. But, uh, I mean... Sure, it's kind of depressing, though. Yeah, I mean, It just true. shows you how close the Canadians... Yeah, if they would have won half, you know, they'd be in the playoffs right now. Yeah, exactly, less injuries... Um, would made a pretty uh, pretty big difference, I think, this year. And it just it makes you wonder: is is this team as bad as the standings say? As bad as two eight game losing streaks say? Or are they they just a team that just has been riddled with bad luck and just not performing as good as they should? As much as last year, some said they performed better than they should. I mean, is this a playoff team? that just had a lot of bad luck, or is just it's the team that it is? If they're healthy, I mean, I think that the Habs could definitely, would have would have made a run for the playoffs, but, I mean, they definitely don't have the depth there. And, I mean, that's that's shown over the last over the last few months, over the last few weeks. Um, you know, I mean, uh, obviously losing a key player like Jonathan DeRoy, losing, obviously, Armia, even Kotkiniemi for a, for, a, for a certain period of time. I mean, losing three guys like that, three guys that you, that you rely on, Pretty heavily offensively, and obviously even Gallagher now. Obviously, I mean, uh, probably our top scorer, best player on the Canadians. Well, G- Gallagher did play against Edmonton, but then after the game, saying he had headaches, and that just infuriates me. Yeah, definitely. You don't you don't want to see that, especially with the Canadian. I mean, how important of a game was it really? Like, I think I think a lot of the the Habs brass or whatever are, are a little des- delusional. Not understanding how the modern NHL works and the fact that there's almost zero chance Canadians are going to win. And here's the thing. Brendan Gallagher, absolutely love him. I mean, if, if you're a young Habs fan and this is the generation of the Canadians you remember the most, Gallagher's 
probably your favorite player along with a guy like Carey Price. I mean, he's definitely up there. He's the type of player that unless someone stops him from playing, he's going to play. Exactly. That's, it's the team's responsibility to tell him, no, you're not playing. We can't mess around with head injuries anymore. No, exactly. I mean, there, there, there's no point in having him out there. Um, you know, I'm sure, like you said, I mean, the, the guy's a warrior. He's proven time and time again that he's going to, you know, if he can play, he's going to be out there, even, you know, even, even when he probably shouldn't have been out there against the Oilers. Um, you know, you, you hate to see it. I mean, hopefully, hopefully they, they will take their time this time around and, and not try to rush him back again. But, uh, I mean, hopefully, you know, he'll, he'll be, he'll be sitting out a little while until he, he is 110%. And, uh, it's just moving on from Gallagher. I mean, he played, he played it, whatever it is, what it is. But to end the, the, the eight game losing streak by lo- get losing after get, having a two goal lead. And so it's like, we've been making jokes to ourselves that like, maybe they should lose anyway, improve the draft stock and all that. But it's just, for them to lose that, and you can feel the, the frustration in Carey Price after after these games and all that, and it's just, I mean, it's weird, because part of me is happy that they're winning and unhappy that they're winning since. It's yeah. just, it's just... Well, it's a fr- it was weird. a frustrating way to lose, too. I mean, they were they, they started off the game really well. Obviously, you know, they, they, they were up 2-0. But, I mean, as we've seen time and time again this season, I mean, the, when the Canadians get up... They all tend to tend to usually get off to pretty good starts often this season, but they just can't hold that lead. That's true. They they, they seem every game that's that, that that it starts off and it, it seems like they're the team that's ready to go. They catch the other team flat footed. I don't know if it's because the, the, they've been struggling so much uh, this year that the other teams kind of don't take him with uh, as as seriously or, or, or what have you. But it, every game it was the same thing. I mean Calgary. I mean they came out. Flying. I mean, Calgary was was flat footed, but then the team just falls off. It's like every team just figures us out as the game moves along, mm-hmm. and then co- collapse, complete collapse. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just uh, a few weeks, two weeks ago, I think. I mean, the game. Uh, you know, you just have to look at at the game against the Lightning, where they were up again two nothing. I think the shots were seventeen to zero at one point when when it was two zero, and and of course the Lightning came back. And what were we both thinking during that Lightning game? Like I don't know. Like I, I remember I was talking about it. It was I did not feel confident about the Canadians winning that game, even though they they dominated the like, the Canadians are dominating the first. Only way I'm confident they're going to actually pull off the win is if they come out with like a three four goal lead. And even then, they lost against the Rangers. Well, exactly. I was just gonna that. yeah. I was just gonna bring that up. Even against the Rangers when they were up four zero, when the Rangers made it four to one, I was yeah you know, I, I wasn't feeling it. No, exactly. So, it's true. I remember during that yeah. game. We, uh, we were at a, a, a card like a card event thing with friends, and uh, it was uh, Dustin kept saying he I, I, like he was you could tell you you had this nervous energy like you knew that they they were gonna lose and then and then it happened it's just that's the, the way the team's been this year as much as last year I felt like they always had always had a chance to come back this year I feel like the other team always has a chance to come back. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, so many times last season they you know, came back in the third period. I mean, they they got so many wins like that. Even I mean, they they have come back a couple of, a handful of times at least early on in the season. Yeah, early on. But um, obviously, I mean, the the tables have been turned here, and I mean, I think that loss to the Rangers was certainly a turning point for the Canadians. Absolutely, it I, seemed like, to to really I, go down. At the time of that loss, early in the year, we were much more confident about this team. We were feeling like okay, we're at the very least, going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, until the end of the year, 
But we said it at the time, and it, it was what felt like a season-defining loss. And it's been a while at this point, that loss, but it's it's all been downhill since then, uh, pretty much. There's, there's been two eight-game losing streaks since then. So Exactly. That's all you need to know. But anyways, the losing streak is over. They finally won. 2-1 in overtime against Ottawa. I mean, first of all, it's Ottawa. Look, uh, yep. After Detroit, maybe the worst team in the league. But Carey Price had to make 41 saves and versus the, the Canadians had like less than 20 shots, if I'm not mistaken. But, hey, they pull off the win in overtime and then Kobe with the OT, Kovalchuk with the OT winner. Yeah, definitely a good moment there, obviously. Kovalchuk getting his first goal. Uh, first goal with the Canadians. Overtime winner to break the eight-game losing streak. But, I mean, for as good as the Canadians played during their losing streak... I mean, they, you know, they they could have easily won, you know, maybe half of those games. They played so bad against the Senators, and really, I mean, the one time they didn't deserve the win, Carey Price was there to bail them out, and uh, and Kovalchuk obviously with a great goal in uh, in overtime as well. I mean, the thing with Kovalchuk is as weird as a move as it was to go get him, uh, because I mean, what's the point at this point? At least he's making it fun to watch these games. First, first of all, he's obviously playing for another contract. Like he wants to keep playing in the NHL. I mean, you don't want to take too much away from him as that being his own. Like he, he's definitely motivated out there, and he's been amazing. He's been the best forward on the Canadians since since they acquired him. He's got, if I'm not mistaken, his five, one goal and four assists in, in, in six games. I think something along those lines. Every game, he's the best player on the ice for the Canadians, and the patience on that goal. And throughout, it's not just that goal. Throughout the game, he had a beautiful pass to cut Kanyemi on the power play. I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. It's just so fun to watch him play within this kind of. Lost season. Mm-hmm. It's crazy we're getting to see Kovalchuk do what he do what he does best in the Habs jersey. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, when when obviously the Habs are struggling like this, doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. It looks like it's going to be another lost season. You know, you try to find those bright spots, and definitely Kovalchuk so far through six games with the Canadians has been a bright spot. Um, I mean, you know, well, I mean we're going to talk about it later, but some of the kids as well. You know, they've they've been the bright spots too. So. Yeah, you know, hopefully we can continue to see those bright spots. I mean, that's what that's what it's all about at this point until the end of the year, right? Assuming that they're they're not making the playoffs because it's it would be a huge huge stretch for them to, to go on a run. I keep thinking what you said earlier that if they just won half of their games during the eight game losing streak, they'd exactly. be in the playoffs. Yep, that's crazy. <laughs> like I hadn't really thought about it that way, and but you're right. Yep. Win half of those games and they're currently in a playoffs. It's it's crazy how quickly a season. Uh, season can turn, but like at, at least that's the thing. You want to keep watching for the kids, and you and and, and you want to keep watching for just culture because it's fun. But uh, <laughs> the, the like speaking of the kids, and the next game two nothing win against Calgary. Uh, I mean now Calgary is much tougher opponent than Ottawa. Very solid team this year, but they talked about it a lot during the broadcast, and I definitely think this played a part. They were coming off a extremely emotional game uh, against uh, against Edmonton. Obviously, Battle of Alberta. That was. For the first time in a long time between those two teams, it was a, a game that meant something for the standings, and there was a whole drama between Zach Cassian and uh, and, uh, and Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk. It was obvious they were flat-footed, but at least the Canadians took advantage of it. And I mean, it was only a two-nothing game, and it was one-nothing for most of the game. But they they, they still dominant performance. Getting a shutout for Kara Price feels great, and Ryan Paling. 
finally gets finally, another goal. Finally. I mean, he's been playing a lot better. I mean, you know, he got off to a bit of a slow start. Even with Lavalle, he got off to a slow start. But he's really seeming to come into his own right now. Like, the last couple of games, he just seems to get better and better. Had a couple of scoring chances against Calgary. And and finally, well, had the disallowed goal, too, against Carolina on, uh, on the 31st. That's true, yeah. And finally able to get that goal. I mean, you love to see it, and hopefully this will get him going. It was a, it was a nice goal, too. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there's a lot of things that come into play with Ryan with Ryan Paling, right? Like he was probably in a way hurt by the the, the crazy performance he had in, in his first career game on the last game of the season last year. He had a whole summer to just think about it and read the crazy expectations Habs fans now had for him uh, on Twitter or, or, or whatever. And and make no mistake, this new generation of players are all over social media. I can't imagine someone being able to to remove themselves from that. I mean, it's it's everywhere. How can you not look at that all the time? So, came in already that much extra pressure. And then he's been playing a lot on the wing this year for the Canadians. So, I think he's just finally kind of figuring all that out. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It, it, I'm I'm really excited to see both him and Kutkinyemi, who has played his best hockey this season since coming back from this most recent injury. Those are the two guys that I want. I want to see them have a strong end to the end of the season, and then I'll feel good about the, these games as I'm watching them. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's exciting to watch Suzuki too, but it, I, he's already he always already feels like a veteran. Yeah, no, exactly. He's, he's, he's playing like himself. a veteran. Yeah. He's already, I think, surpassed expectations for a lot of people. Definitely, definitely my expectations. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he's looking great. Paling the last couple of games has been great, like you say, Kukinami. Since he came back from injury, has been fantastic. I mean, I was nervous that you know coming back from an injury, especially concussion like that, didn't look, you know, wasn't wasn't too pretty. Obviously, already struggling at the beginning of the season. I thought, you know, oh boy, here we go. Yeah, this is you know he's gonna have a bad bad end to the season too. But obviously, I mean, he's been he's been flying out there. He's looked great. It's it's really reassuring to see Kukinami having a strong end of the year because, I mean, it was hard not to get nervous about the way he was performing because he had a really, really solid rookie season, but it's not like he was a, a dominant rookie. But he, you could tell just from following him on social media that he was working on it hard in the off season, gained some muscle mass, but that seemed to slow it down at the beginning of the year. But then it's like, oh, and then he seemed to not have the same kind of like, I don't know, infectious joy that he usually has but he seems to be back into it right now and I, I, I want to see him get a strong end of the year and I think he'll come back that much stronger uh, ne- next year so it's Kutkinyemi is so crucial to the future of, uh, of this franchise oh yeah definitely and, I, and I'd love to see him you know maybe get some time with Paling on his wing so, I mean right now I mean you know that's the last couple of games I see he's played a lot with Wheel and Cousins I mean you know two guys that, that have some some offensive capabilities but I mean obviously not not you know, superstar wingers here, not not guys that I'd like to see Kakinami get a chance well, with. Well, at practice today, actually, Chantal Maccabi tweeted out the lines, and he was playing uh, with the uh, Paling and Kakinami were playing together, and the the other winger was a mix of Cousins and Armia, so essentially Cousins Armia is just yeah. it was his first practice at practice back. So I definitely like seeing that too. I mean, what's what's the point of even having him playing with uh, with Wheel? I mean, if if anything, like Wheel Cousins, or they're on the fourth line. It's a, with Thompson. It's a very very strong fourth line. Let them do their thing. Have Kukinami and Paling play together. Maybe develop some chemistry for down the line too. That's that's not uh, that's not anything to scoff at either. You know? No, exactly, exactly. And I, and I mean, once Armia comes back, if they can roll with that line, I mean that 
I think that's pretty good. The line that can definitely, you know, somewhat, I mean, Paling is obviously responsible defensively. So is Armia. It's a pretty big line, too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, three guys that that have a lot of size, have some speed as well, and definitely some offensive uh, capabilities there. I did like, not going to lie, seeing his uh, little back and forth uh, with uh, Kovalchuk, though, on the... Uh, yeah. On, on the power play. So you, 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 there's a good chance the Canadians are only going to have Kovalchuk in their lineup for a handful of games. If, whether he gets moved at the trade deadline because they're out or just when they get eliminated from the playoffs. We, uh, maybe he resigns in Montreal, but there's a very good chance he doesn't resign in Montreal. Just sign somewhere else, maybe more of a contender. I mean, let the kid play with one of the greatest players in, in of the last exactly. twenty years for for a few games. Why not get that experience? And especially the way Kovalchuk's playing, he's playing with heart. He's playing hard, he, he, and he's showing he's a good playmaker while being a good sniper. He could learn a lot from playing with a guy like Kovalchuk. Definitely. I mean, why not have him? You know, play with a veteran like that. Of you know, a guy that's been you know over of the last decade, one of the best scorers in the NHL uh, in the world. Why not have him play with, with Kovalchuk? And, and his playmaking has been really impressive too. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like, because Kutkinimi has a strong shot. Uh, he, he, he's able he's able to score goals, and I think he could develop into a center that, that is not just a playmaker, but that can also score. So I like seeing him with a winger that can be a bit of a playmaker. I kind of like how I like seeing him with Dehoyne too mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the year. Because as great as Armin has been uh, this year when, he, when he's played... He's much more of a sniper, not necessarily the the playmaking type uh, himself. So it, I, I like seeing kind of that mix of having the big winner winger in Armia on one side and then having uh, a playmaker on the other side. But I'm I'm fine with Painling being there too. I just stop playing Cousins and Wheel and those people with with yeah. with Kotkaniemi. Like I don't see what good that's doing him for his progression moving forward. No, exactly. I mean, obviously they haven't uh, they haven't really produced a whole lot. Well, Wheel obviously got the power play goal here in the last game, but. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to see him with with some guys that can produce a little bit more offensively, for sure. Actually, um, to come back to the Kachuk and and uh, and Zach Cashin thing, what do you what do you think about that? It's it's a little weird, right? Because the, the, the all these former players are speaking out on on Twitter uh, about uh, or anywhere else about being on Zach Cassian's side, and like when people say on Zach Cassian, no one, I don't think anyone disagrees. That Zach Cassian, like he shouldn't. I mean, it's fine that he got penalized and he got two game suspension for because because Kachuk wasn't defending himself and all that. But those hits by Kachuk do seem pretty dirty, and I tend to agree with the former players, guys like Scotty Upshaw and Timu Solani spoke about it today too. Like th- what they have to say about it means a lot, and there's always this thought of like. It's a legal hit. Like a legal, a technically legal hit can still be dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yes. It, I mean, on paper or whatever, it looks like a legal hit, but I mean, it was very predatory hit too. Exactly. I exactly. mean, he was definitely looking to to hurt Cat. Not not even just hurt him, but injure him. Exactly. The it, way that he hit him. It, it, it was. I think it's Scotty Upshaw in his like he did a, a few different tweets that kind of blew up. He said there was no doubt that he wasn't looking to make a hockey play there. And I think that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, exactly. That that was his intention, which is he saw Zach Cassian. There was clearly some animosity there, and he wanted to hurt him or injure him. And these Kachuk brothers are obviously douchebags. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> that comes into play, too. They've, in their very short time in the NHL, have established themselves as being these types of players. So I'm sorry... 
but you're not gonna get the benefit of the doubt from me then. Mm, no, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, that's the sort of thing that you you don't want to see in the league, like like someone trying to injure somebody like that. Like, yes, maybe it was a clean hit. Well, on again on paper, but def, you you don't want to be going out there and injuring people. And I, f- I forget who it was. I think it was George Laroque that said, you know, this is. If you take a look at Rafi Torres, I mean, how many years ago? Quite a few years ago. That that was the exact hit that they were trying to take out of the game. When you have the the opposing player coming around the net, and then you know he's he's trying to hit him while he's coming around the net, you know, at full speed, basically. So I mean, that it's very dangerous. Even though it doesn't necessarily look that dangerous, especially to someone maybe that, that that's never played hockey, doesn't doesn't maybe doesn't look that dangerous when you see it, but. You know, it's it, it definitely can't. I mean, if Cashin didn't see him coming, and even on the first hit, I mean, he hit him. He he got him pretty good in the head. Yeah, so exactly. And I mean, his helmet went flying on the on the the, yeah. the hit where he lost his mind and started wailing on him. And, and I'm I'm sure if you if you ask if if my team, even though they ended up losing that game because of the penalty mm-hmm. Cashin t- took, if if I have a team that has such top end talent uh, like Edmonton, where like all their scoring comes from two guys in McDavid. And uh, Drysaddle, I'll take this one loss mm-hmm. to have a guy like Cassian there. I'm happy I have a, I have a guy like Cassian too, that, that who's willing to kind of just drop the gloves and and kind of go nuts on a player like like that. Because sure, this time he did it to uh, to Cassian, but what if Kachuk did this exact same plays? To McDavid, I think a lot of the narrative around this would be completely different. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, for sure. If if you did that to a skilled player, I mean, for sure he'd. Uh, I'm sure Kachuk would be suspended. But I mean, Kachuk himself is a is a skilled player, yeah. and we've seen in the past. I mean, in the, with the NHL, you know, they're it's it's always like that. If it's a skilled player that does it, yeah. you know, I mean, even some like I remember a couple of times, maybe not recently, but when uh, Vetchkin was a little bit younger, I mean, you know, he used to throw the body around pretty intense too. I mean, Co- uh, Crosby, that slashing he did. And yeah, that's and, true. And barely got anything, and forget who who he slashed, but the guy's finger was looking like it was gonna fall yeah. off. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's always been a bit of a double standard, but it, it's been really interesting seeing all these former players speaking up about it. I mean, uh, Upshaw spoke up about it, but in, in in comparing himself to being one of the type of players that would do that, and he knew, he said himself, "I knew what I was doing, and I wasn't doing anything that that wasn't yeah. dirty." And then uh, for a guy like Team Mussolini, who is one of the most respected former players. I mean, he's basically Jesus in Finland. <laughs> so, like, I was reading a thread, and this one Finnish guy uh, was saying that, like, well, this wasn't my opinion before, but if Jesus says it, or something along those lines, hey, whatever Team Mussolini says in Finland goes. So, uh, I don't know. These aren't just, like, like a guy like Scotty Upshaw, like, was never that big of a player. Maybe he doesn't have the same clout as as another guy but a guy like Timu Solani speaks up like that I don't know it, it, it resonates no, with sure. me and for it makes sure. me look at it a different way and I'm like alright maybe 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 that maybe he was being dirty and those Kachuk kids I mean they're clearly dirty players it's just yeah. a fact no exactly no I mean they've uh, you know they've already both of them are pretty young and they've already established them established themselves as the sort of dirty players I'm looking forward to seeing the next game though Cashin's first game back from suspension is against, against Calgary so Oh really? That'll be interesting. I'm surprised they didn't give him three games <laughs> yeah, just no, to avoid that. You would that. think so. But it's gonna be interesting. Wow, that, yeah, that, 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 that didn't that didn't realize that that will definitely be very interesting. So, all right, we're moving on. Let's get back to the Canadian stuff. So we touched on this a little bit, but but let, let's go back to it. The, the big talk right now, and I think it's it's a bigger point this season 
because the Canadians are so obviously out of the playoff hunt so early in the year uh, versus last year, where on the last day of the season they can make the playoffs. But the big argument going on Habs Twitter and uh, people you talk to even just at work, what have you, they sh- there's the, the camp of people that the team needs to tank. No, we always should win. There's no such we shouldn't tank. Teams shouldn't tank. I mean, w- w- what's your feeling on tanking overall? And if a team should tank, well, first of all, a team's never going to tank. Well, at least the players are never going to tank. I mean, we all know that they're not going to lose on purpose. Obviously, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are playing for for the next NHL contract. You know, they they obviously have a lot of pride, so they're obviously never going to lose on purpose. I mean, it's more that more I guess the GM more than anything else is maybe you know moving out players earlier than the deadline to to try and make his team maybe not worse, but you know move out maybe some of the skilled players. Um, I mean, I don't know. You yes, we'd obviously like to get Lafreniere, even though that's probably never going to happen. Even if you do finish in last, you have a I think twenty percent chance of getting the, the first overall pick, but so, it, it does guarantee you. Yeah, it's top like four, top pick. four pick, top right? four. That, that's true, but I mean, you never know what these picks do. I mean, yes, it'd be better to draft obviously fourth overall compared to ninth overall, but I mean, who's to say that the the the, the guys drafted fourth is going to be better than the guy drafted ninth, right? I mean, you never know. Obviously, you know, you get the maybe the player that that you wanted, but you know. And here, here's the thing: that there will be no tanking in Montreal. For as long as Shea Weber and Carey Price are on this team, just just for the fact that look at the game against Ottawa, Carey Price just put the team on his back, and then he's had some bad stretches this year. But Carey Price is not a goaltender that's going to be in front of the net for a last place team. It's just it's just not going to happen. And then so now the conversation has to switch to, do you want to trade Price and and Weber? I mean that LeBron came out today because there was some. People started talking about if that should be done. He said that uh, on TSN, he said that, that uh, Benjamin has no intention on trading away either of those players this year because it doesn't make sense because this team is so close to being competitive. The right moves here and there. Next year, the Canadians all of a sudden mm-hmm. are a competitive team, and I, I really believe they're not that far off with the young players developing like they could. So you can't do a full tank. Like This isn't a team that has nothing going for it and that needs to rebuild from scratch completely. I mean, there's teams that are in those situations sometimes and that's a different conversation. That's not what the Canadians are right now. But the the, the, the thing where I don't necessarily agree is like some fans at this point of this season, jokingly more than anything, that they're still real fans, are kind of rooting for the team to lose. And some fans get so offended by that. <laughs> and it's like, chill, man. Like, it's, it's some... It, it is better for the team if they lose, ideally, these eight-game losing streak went on, and then the Canadians lose by one. Still a fun game. Kovalchuk does something fancy. Kotkaniemi and Paling are looking good, but they still lose. That's the best-case scenario. I mean, there's nothing against celebrating the win. I can't help it. I'll still celebrate a goal when the Canadians score a goal. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing wrong with wanting the team to lose at the end of the year because the season's over. They want a better pick either. Yeah, there's no. no one way to be a fan. You can be no, a fan no, however you want to be a fan. Of course, of course. I mean, but uh, I mean the same thing too. I forget who uh, somebody in the media said that you know you just take a look at the Edmonton Oilers for how you know tanking is not necessarily the best thing. Absolutely, either. absolutely. I mean, how many years? How many first overall picks did they get? Bottom dwellers for. For a decade, yeah. over a decade, even it just de- develops this culture that's of losing. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what you don't want to happen. Yes, I mean, sure, it'd be great. Um, 
you know, I mean, you could see a good point in the Canadians just losing another eight-game losing streak, you know, finishing the bottom three, get a top three, get a top four pick. But, I mean, what is that going to do to the team, you know, down the road as yeah. well? I mean, the young players that are already on the team, like Suzuki and Kakanyemi and all that. I mean, I, I wouldn't be too worried uh, because, like, it, that's why it helps when it's those tight, closer games. But it's true. You don't want to have this kind of, like, culture of losing for, uh, for, for, for too long. But... It, it, there's nothing wrong with being happy if they, if they, if they lose either is is, is, is my point basically. Yeah. But, you know. No, I mean, yeah. At this point, yeah. I mean, if you know, if they lose, you know, part of me is going to be a little happy. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know? exactly. But you know, I'll, I'll still celebrate when they score some goals, and yeah. I'll still celebrate when uh, when they, they 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 potentially win and all that. So it's 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 just watch the game however the, the you you, you want to watch it. But the, the these recent games though, they it, they are frustrating to these wins at this point are so frustrating for me personally because this one against Calgary, for example, even though Calgary was coming off that emotional game and they, they weren't playing at their top, Canadians played, played fantastic. And, and, and a, a bad team would still find a way to lose against a team that's supposedly supposed to be that much better than them in Calgary. It just shows the potential that this team had, even with this in, these injuries right now, and to just fall flat like that. If Price had more of a Price season, and we talked about this last last uh, podcast and you, you definitely didn't seem to agree with me but Marco Scandella is making a big difference on this team and I honestly think if you added a guy like him at the beginning of the year it could have changed the whole story of this season the the the, 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 the big stat that, that got pointed out uh, after yesterday's game was that the, the PK is 94.1% since he's been there so it's not just him I mean they've also no, not allowed goals when he's not on the ice but it's the point that it's it's spreading out more there's, there's no Kulak on the PK, and it's just, I just think it helps so much. He's looked solid out there, and that little change, I really think that they, they were one piece away, and maybe better than Scandella would have been perfect, but a, a move like that earlier in the year could have really helped this team a lot, and I think that's a failure on Benjamin for this year. Yeah, I mean, they, maybe they are in the playoffs at this point if they do, if they, if they had Scandella at the beginning of the year. I mean, like, like we mentioned, or like I mentioned earlier, I mean, if they won half of those games in the exactly. eight-game losing streak, they'd be in the playoffs right exactly. now. But, yeah, I mean, he's been great so far. Um, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens with him near the end of the season. Is he going to be moved? Is he going to re-sign with the Canadians? But, I mean, obviously he's a guy that wants to be here. Um, you know, in the interviews that he's had since joining the Canadians, you know, he, he obviously shows – Shows a lot of pride having the Canadian uh, playing with the Montreal Canadiens, and I mean he's you know a guy that maybe could be part of the solution moving forward. Who next would year. you rather have on the team if if you had to choose one between him and Ben Sherratt? It's tough. I don't. I mean Ben Sherratt. I think. I mean he's really. I wasn't expecting much, and I, I think a lot of people were like this. weren't weren't expecting much from him this season. He's obviously surpassed most people's expectations. Absolutely. But he, he has a lot of brain farts, though. <laughs> I've noticed them more recently. Yeah. The last couple of games, like in Calgary, had a really bad giveaway. Um, I mean, Carey Price saved him. Carey Price has definitely saved him a number of times. Absolutely. So, uh, it's tough. I mean, like it, it, like you said, always this can't be the reason you build a team a certain way, but I love it when a local kid like yeah. like Scandella joins the team and is obviously so happy. To, like he, he you could tell just from 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 like the way he is in interviews and all that that if he didn't make it in the NHL, 
he might be doing his own podcast about the Canadians. You know, he'd be a Habs fan. You know, so so to have a guy like that, you know, the local kid, it's it's just great. And he's he's been great on the team so far. So I wouldn't be so quick to to get rid of him because we might not have room for him if Romanov comes and all that. At the end of the day, I'd rather have one defenseman too many, and then we got to figure out what we got to do with that. That's true. That defenseman that's too many. Than, than, than anything else. I mean, worst case, maybe Ben Sherratt is the seventh defenseman. It's not like he gets paid that much no, either. No, that's right? true. So that and Romanov's cool. no guarantee to be here exactly. next year anyway. Exactly. So, so. I mean, we'll see. Obviously, he's doing a great job so far. Would have been nice to have him a little bit earlier in the season. but it, uh, And, like, it was in talks. He's, he's been available since the beginning of the year. Now, maybe you pay a bit more than a fourth-round pick. Yeah. You know, would you have given a second-round pick before the season starts? Probably. I mean, they have two. They have two second yeah. round picks this year. So yeah, yeah. I think you know you you very you could have. Yeah, yeah. You you could have, and I have a hard time believing if Buffalo was willing to move him for fourth now, that at the beginning of the year a second one would have done it. And at at some point, I mean, I I appreciate that that Bergman is not making dramatic moves to try to kind of save his job or whatever. Which it's good, but you do have to make some moves, uh, at some point to to approve what's been so obvious to be. The biggest issue on this team. Yeah, yeah. At a certain point, I mean, yes, like you said, it's it's great. You don't want to see your GM making those desperate moves, trying to trying to you know find find a patch for you know for a hole that you might have on the team. But at a certain point, especially when you want to take that next step, you have to do you know try make that home run home run swing at some point. <laughs> So at this point now, now with so Kolchuk's looked great for the Canadians too. Scandella has been helping improving the team. We're gonna start getting some of those injured players back. Is this team about to go on a winning streak? That's gonna give us hope. It's gonna, <laughs> and I think a lot of it's gonna come down to Price. I mean, obviously, if he continues to play the way that he played the last two games, yeah. And you know they might, uh, <laughs> they might end up with like a tenth overall pick or something. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. And the thing against Calgary, I mean, against Ottawa, he kind of stole the game a bit there for the Canadians. Against Calgary, Canadians definitely dominated. I wouldn't say that Price stole the game, but we've seen games this year where Canadians had the Canadians had a similar performance, and then Price had a bit of an off night, and then it, and then it ends up tossing them the game, right? So, uh, I I agree with you. The, the Canadians play the way they are right now. I mean. All of a sudden, they go on a five-game winning streak, and then they're just three points out of the playoffs. <laughs> and then, like, oh no, are we gonna make the playoffs? And oh, we're finished one point out of the playoffs again. I mean, I really don't see a scenario where they make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, well, yes, obviously you want to get the best, uh, the best draft pick possible or the highest draft pick possible. But I mean, the Canadians drafted fifteenth this year and got cold, cold yeah, coffee. Cold coffee. So. Yeah, so you never know; people could drop. Uh, and, and and with the lottery, I see a lot of people on. I don't know if people aren't aware, but people are like. Uh, it's impossible for the Canadians at left hand. Like all odds are, the Canadians won't get him. But even the first team out of the playoffs has a one percent chance. And I know one percent's not a lot, but let's say there was a million dollar lottery, and if you bought a ticket, you had a one percent chance to win. There you go. That's a pretty good chance to win. If you ask well, me. even then, even, you know? even if you finish, if they f- were to finish like, you know, like twenty fourth or twenty fifth or something, it's not like you have like a twenty percent chance of winning. I mean, if you finish last, you have twenty percent chance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you finish like twenty fourth or twenty fifth, it's something like five percent. That like right now they're eighth last, and they would have a six percent chance of uh, of picking first uh, overall. Uh, the, where, where you see a bigger difference is in the chance to be in the top three. So, like, right now, they would have a 19% chance of being in, in the top three. So, 
pr- pretty solid. And realistically, I mean, they're, they're not going to catch up to, to – well, Detroit is pretty much has the, yeah, the last forget, forget that. spot <laughs> on lockdown. I mean, realistically, they might catch up to San Jose and Chicago – like catch up like in the opposite direction yeah. <laughs> to, to, to Chicago and San Jose – I mean, they're six points ahead of, of, of teams, uh, of a team like New Jersey. Uh, they're eight points ahead of a team like Ottawa. So, I mean, really, quote-unquote best-case scenario, if they continue tanking, if that's what you're hoping for, they finish six last. And then instead of having a 6% chance at first, you have a 7.5% chance. Exactly. So, <laughs> it's what, yeah. what's the point at, at that point, you know? But then maybe you don't want to finish 15th and get, like, a 1% chance. But, you know, it's... You never know with the lottery. It really, it's it, every every year. It seems there's a team that jumps up like ten spots. So I mean, maybe this year will be the Canadians. You never know. No, exactly. So I mean, there's no point in you know uh, worrying if they finish uh, you know tw- between twentieth or twenty fourth. There's yeah. really not that much, that big of a difference. Yeah, the focus now is like I said before. It's really just to, to watch these young players progress and how they're doing, and and just look look ahead to next year. I mean, this is the last year I'm saying to look at the next year. Because I'm definitely not on the fire Belgian battle wagon, but I'm yeah, I mean, not next, ready to hop yeah. on next year. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, Weber, Price, they're starting to get a little bit older. Their window's definitely starting to close. Yeah. I mean, even some of the, like, Gallagher next year, he's going to be, what, I think 29 or even yeah. 30 next year. So, you know, even some of the younger guys, I mean, they're starting to get older now. Yeah, exactly. Because you, so. you need to – to win a cup these days, like, a lot of teams that end up – making those runs is because they have a player like Nick Suzuki or a player like Kotkaniemi before they get the, a bigger contract. Exactly. Right? So you, you really want to be able to, to build – you want to contend before those players get into their UFA years. You know? That, that's really how the best uh, best teams do it. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes for next year. But, yeah, I mean, I would just say to everyone, stop freaking out about who is a real fan and – should we tank? Should we not tank? It's it doesn't really matter that much either way, and just let people watch the game however they <laughs> fucking want to watch the game. Yeah, Habs Twitter is. Well, is, speaking is of something. the Habs Twitter, uh, you had a couple. Quite, I think we already touched on on a, one of them, but we'll. Yeah, we sort of already uh, already touched on it a little bit here, but uh, all right. So so we got two questions. Um, so the first question is from Ryan Rabalkin. So at Ryan Rabalkin on Twitter, uh, do we get excited by this game streak? So, I mean, I guess we sort of already touched on that. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, yes, it's gr- I think it's great for the team. Um, I mean, I think for, for me, I just want to see the team, whether they're winning or losing, being competitive. Like, you don't want to see I the team. I have fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> well, I mean... I get. I guess I want to. I guess you want the kids to have to have fun and yeah, develop. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not just have fun, but be competitive. No, no, I I, I definitely understand that. Uh, here, here's the thing. Even if the Canadians were in a situation where these two wins meant they were in a play, playoff hunt right now, I still don't think I'd be getting that excited because th- these two wins. One was an overtime win against Ottawa, who are now on a seven game losing streak, if I'm not mistaken. Not exactly. And it's a it's a game where our goaltender had to pull out all the stops, pun intended. And then the other win was against a Calgary team we've already touched on. Was coming off an emotional win, clearly came out flat-footed, and the Canadians took advantage. So there's nothing special about these two wins. 
Mario with the dad joke there. I mean, they're the best kind. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, de- definitely they weren't, uh, you know, they weren't exactly. Uh, so show me more, and sure. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, yeah. we'll see. We'll see how they how they do this week. I mean, they have. Well, maybe not really much more of a tougher week coming up, but no, I mean, I mean, they're playing obviously Vegas. They're playing, uh, you know, they're, Chicago, they're, Chicago at home tomorrow, and then back to back in Philadelphia the next day. Uh, so I mean, second day of a back to back, they're gonna maybe get, getting lingering against. Uh, not that easy of a team in Philadelphia, so we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. And then, then it's the whole week off uh, coming after that. So, and then uh, the other question that we got was from Etienne Ferlin. So I don't think the Habs should trade uh, Tatar Petrie before trade deadline unless they get a too good to be a true offer. Do you agree? I think so. I think that makes uh, a lot of sense. I mean. I mean, even then, if they want to be competitive next year, they might want to exactly. hold on to those players. So I'm really only making that move if it's like he said. It's I'm not desperate to move these guys. No, no, I, and I don't think you can. I mean, we just said that you know next year they have to take a step. I mean, especially Absolutely. you know Weber and Peach or uh, Weber and uh, and Price. I mean, they're they're getting older. They're not they're not getting any younger. They're not getting any better. You know, they're gonna start. You know, I mean, still sort maybe not necessarily in their prime, but certainly on the on the tail end of that. If you move to, if you move Tatar and Petrie, you might as well just blow the whole thing up. Exactly, it's especially Petrie, Tatar. Yeah, Tatar. I, I would think, be more yeah. open to it for the right because I think right now his value is as high as it's going to be at, with Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. He's having a great year. Uh, I believe he's still leading the team in uh, yeah. in scoring. Uh, so I uh, wouldn't be against that. And we have the pieces to replace him. We've seen it through through injuries. I mean, we, Suzuki's obviously been a, a revelation. Kakenemi's looking better. Like, our young players can take up kind of the mantle. Paling's been looking better for, for Chitar. So that wouldn't be the end of the world to me. But if you're moving Petrie, like, for this year, I don't, I don't really care that much. But for next year, unless you have a plan in place, the team will be significantly worse than what they were this year. So exactly. un- unless you want them to be just as, as bad, if not worse, next year, I mean, we saw how good Benjamin is at stocking up <laughs> his defenseman with true defenseman. The last time he did that with Jeff was Jeff Petrie a few seasons ago. So no, uh, I don't think I moved Jeff Petrie at all, honestly. And obviously, anyone can be available for if yeah. someone gives you a stupid offer, but. No, I don't think uh, you move Jeff Breeder. Yeah, like you said, I, uh, Tatar, I mean, his value is really high right now. I think you could probably get something really good for him. Um, he would definitely, like you said, be easier to replace than Petrie. I mean, even Petrie hasn't – I mean, he's had a bit of a rough stretch, I would say, the last couple of games. But, I mean, he's still – Even in a rough stretch. No, like, he's still – you don't, you, no, you don't want to get rid of him for sure. I mean, yes, you'd probably get a really good return for him. But, again, I mean, if you're sending both one of – even just one of them out – you know, forget next year, basically. No, I don't think that's true for Tatar. I think that we could yeah, I mean, yeah, replace Tatar, Tatar for yeah. next year. Yeah, you probably could. Um, again, I mean, you're still shipping out your top score. Though, that's but, true. No, that's you, you know. you're not wrong. So if and if you're th- if if the thought is, and I do think this is how Benjamin feels. He feels that he had a rough year. That he feels that a lot of injuries cost his season, uh, his team this season, and that his star goaltender had an off year, and he he probably feels that he can bounce back. So he feels that he's not far from being competitive, that he's going to get some help and some some kids progressing next year, and next year's going to be a, a, a good good year for his team. If that's how he feels, he's not moving the, neither, either of those two players unless someone makes him a stupid offer. So I think it's going to be pretty much a stand pack kind of thing. You're, you might see a, moves like uh, Nate Thompson probably gets moves for a, t- a team that just wants a depth forward. 
maybe add a few picks here and there, but there's not going to be a big moves coming out of Montreal. No, yeah, I think uh, you know a couple of small moves, like you said. I mean, potentially Scandella. We'll see Kovalchuk, guys like Thompson. You know, guys that can fetch you maybe you know some some mid round picks. But well, at uh, this point, Kovalchuk's going to get us a first <clears throat> first rounder. A first rounder. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> no, probably not that. But yeah, maybe a third. Yeah, yeah at the at the high end, maybe. Yeah. Maybe hey, a third. Third for free is not bad. That's true. That's true. So uh, I mean, we'll see. But no, I don't. I don't think you're you're going to see either one of them moved really. All right. So uh, thanks for the questions. Uh, always appreciate it. Tin, I think is. Uh, He's like a, a regular contributor. He's a regular contributor. We appreciate it. Keep it, keep it coming. So let's, let's move on. So then like we touched on it in the intro. The prospect we're touching on this uh, week is uh, Jamie Drysdale. So before we get to talking about Jamie Drysdale, I thought it would be a little bit of fun if before we start this segment every week, I uh, whip out the uh, draft lottery simulator. And see, because like we talked about before, anyone can get the first pick. So let's see, Dustin, if the draft were to happen today. Let if me the, run. If the draft lottery were to happen today. Well, the draft lottery happening today, let's see where the Canadians would pick. So right now, they have the eighth best chance at getting the first overall. I'm using tankathon.com slash NHL for those curious. Let me do a sim. And uh, the Canadians fell at one spot. So this is what's <laughs> more ninth. likely to happen, but drafting ninth at ninth. Do you think Jamie Drysdale is available at ninth? Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> There's okay. no way. Well, maybe he fell to us like Cole Caulfield. So let's talk about Jamie Drysdale. So he's a right defenseman and seemingly the obvious best defenseman in the draft. Oh, yeah, by far. I mean, uh, it's definitely, I mean, all pretty much all, aside from Drysdale, obviously, all the prospects, or all the top prospects at least, uh, I mean, in the top 10, even like top. 12, maybe even top 15, are basically all forwards. He's really by far, by a long margin, the best defenseman uh, in the draft. Um, and sort of the new age defense. I, I mean, first of all, okay, so you, you said he's a right-handed defenseman. I think some fans that maybe don't know much about the Canadians' prospects are going to say, well, why why a right-handed defenseman? It's the Canadians need a left-handed defenseman. Yeah, well, but obviously. You don't obviously, draft for immediate no, exactly, NHL. Exactly. But, I mean, I, I've seen people on Twitter say that, though, but which is stupid. Yeah, there's so many intelligent people on Twitter. So, I mean, if you take a look at the, at the Canadians right now, on the left side, I mean, not obviously on the Canadians right now, but as, as far as their prospects go, I mean, last year they drafted – I think four left-handed defensemen. So, I mean, they have, obviously, Romanov coming. They have Victor Mete, who's still very young, 22, 22 or 23 years old. They have um, Norlinder that they drafted last year. They have Jordan Harris. They have Jaden Struble they drafted last year. So, I mean, obviously, a lot of their top prospects, their better prospects, are all uh, left, left-handed. left On the right side, you really don't have anyone. Basically, you have Josh Brook. We all know how I feel about Josh Brook, who was scratch, a healthy scratch two games this week in Laval, this weekend. So uh, Dr- Jamie Drysdale would be a great prospect for the Canadians. Like I, like I was saying, new age defenseman. He's 5'11", uh, 175 pounds. He, great puck mover. He reminds me a lot of Drew Doughty in his draft okay. year. Okay. So, I mean, he's a guy, obviously, I mean, you very rarely will you see a a prospect, especially on Team Canada, I got an underage defenseman in their draft year playing for Team Canada. And, I mean, he was one of their better defensemen. I mean, he looked and got better as the tournament went on. He had a goal and three assists. Um, or so actually how, how sure assists. of a bet do you think this kid is? 
Pretty much 100%. Yeah. I mean, I was tr- I I tried to think of a bad thing about him, and I can't say one bad thing about and, and him. Looking at his rankings here, he seems to the people seem to think he's about number five-ish. Yeah, well, especially uh, after the World Juniors, he could potentially be in the top three. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I, I've, I've seen him as low as, like, 10, which, especially now, is definitely impossible. He's probably going to go three or four, I would imagine. But, uh, I mean, one of those new-age defensemen, he does everything good. I mean, the one knock that you can maybe say on him is his, is his size. And, I mean, again, he's 17 years old. He's going to get bigger. He's five foot 11. 175 pounds. Could put, on, could put, in, put on a little bit more weight. Great uh, quarterback on the power play. Moves the puck really well. Doesn't necessarily have the best slap shot, but he, you know, he very accurate shot. Always gets it on net. So he fantastic skater as well. I mean, unbelievable. He's incredibly fast, incredibly agile. And we all know how big the transition game is. In the exactly. He, the, the, the way you're describing, he sounds like pretty much the the, the perfect kind of uh, defenseman for uh, the modern NHL. And outside of a, a top elite center that is like franchise defining, like Lafreniere is, these are the type of players that can change a franchise the quickest and make the biggest impact on their own. No, exactly. I mean, he is a stud defenseman for sure. I mean, this year, you know, 31 games, he's got 35 points, 7 goals, 28 assists. Even last year, at 16 years old, in 63 games, he had 40, uh, 40 points. So, I mean, he's definitely a guy that can put up uh, put up a lot of points. You know, it's tough Tough for a defenseman, especially at 18 years old, to step into the NHL. I mean, obviously we've seen it with uh, with uh, Rasmus Dahlin recently. Um, I don't necessarily think he'll be playing in the NHL next year. You know, sort of maybe a, a Kale McCarr type. And actually, I've seen a lot of people compare him to Kale McCarr. I think he doesn't quite necessarily have the offensive skill that McCarr has, but he's a little bit better defensively, um, a little bit bigger too. So let, let, let's look at it this way because we're going to talk. We're talking about it on the potential of him, uh, the, the Canadians drafting, right? That's why we're doing these, uh, these these kind of profiles here. Now, the, how how the lottery works is the Canadians. Let's say they're eighth or ninth, uh, in, in in the chance of, of getting first, they'll either get first, second, third, or move down or stay where they are. Right? Like they're they're not going to pick fifth, sixth, seventh. That's that's not how the how the the, the lottery mm-hmm. works. So let's say they get really lucky. Now they and they have picking third. So because if they're not picking first or second or third, they're playing. They're picking at a spot where they're not getting this kid. So the first pick is Lafreniere guaranteed. Byfield is pretty guaranteed at being second pick. Yeah. Are you happy if if the Canadians had pick number three? They got lucky at the draft lottery and they picked this kid. It's gonna be basically. I think third overall at this point is gonna be between Drysdale and the German uh, center Tim uh, Stoitzel. Yeah. So it's. I mean, they're very close. They both had incredible World Juniors. So it's it's basically going to be a toss up between them two, those two guys. Um, either one of them will be would look great in a Canadian yeah. jersey. That's for sure. Yeah, you're not mad at either. No, but uh, yeah, again, Drysdale. I mean, he's looking like by far the best defenseman for sure. I mean, he has it all. I mean, he has a great offensive awareness. He's an amazing skater. His side, you know, he, you'd like to see him a little bit, maybe put on a little bit of weight there, but um, you know, he's that new age uh, defenseman like a Quinn. Yet, right? No, exactly, he's seventeen years old. That new age defenseman like a Quinn Hughes, like a Kale McCarr, and he's going to be, you know, he has definitely has the potential to be just as good as those two. All right, that's uh, that that's very exciting. That's the type of player that really that can really change, uh, especially when you consider like, Shea Weber is going to be in. By the time this kid would be ready to step in, Shea Weber would be ready to step out. 
Yeah, I mean, if uh, if the Canadians were to get Drasdale, then you could move Petrie. Then you can move Petrie. Then you could definitely move. Right. <laughs> uh, sounds good. All right, so we're going to do more of these uh, every week. Uh, and uh, always going to put the, the Twitter poll out to, to see who you would like us to uh, to talk about. Uh, it looks like uh, sounds like we started off pretty pretty strong uh, with uh, with a guy like Drysdale. I'm I'm, I'm definitely excited to uh, uh, to, to keep going with these uh, profiles here. And last year, uh, the first prospect profile that we did was Cole Caulfield, and the Canadians drafted him. So hopefully, okay. So what I'm hopefully we get Drysdale is the Canadians will pick third overall. So they, they will get lucky at the lottery, but not quite as lucky as getting Lafreniere. And people will be a little bit disappointed because, you know, you're watching the, the lottery live. And the Canadians haven't been picked yet. And so it's third, but you're still happy. Then we get Drysdale, and he's going to be a great hab for years to come. Can't wait. Yep, looking forward to it. All right, so then talking about now the quickly, not much to talk about with the current Habs prospects. Unfortunately, a couple of injuries. Yeah. Uh, one is season ending. Yeah, two uh, two unfortunate injuries. So we just got the news today that Gianni Fairbrother, uh, third round pick last year of the great Everett, name. great name Fairbrother. Gianni too. Gianni, yeah. Gianni, I mean, it's Fairbrother. a great name. Uh, yep. Yeah, so season ending injury. Don't know exactly what it was. Upper body injury. I'm not sure what the injury was exactly, but unfortunately he's going to have surgery, um, and he should be done for the season. Uh, so that's unfortunate. I mean, he on one of the best teams in the WHL. Um, so he, you know, was looking forward to uh, to a long playoff run. Was he having a, a not bad of a year? He was having a good year. He was having a good. I don't have his stats in front of me here, but definitely he was having a great year. Got off to a bit of a slow start, but it had really been hitting his stride the last last two or three, well, last two months basically. So it's unfortunate to see him go down, especially when you know he was playing such a, a key role on. On one of the teams that you know we're looking to hopefully be a Memorial Cup in, uh, contender, but um, you know hopefully he'll be able to come back next season strong, and I mean they should have a uh, still have a pretty good team next year, um, and also same another injury too unfortunately to uh, Samuel Hood, so a fifth rounder from 2018 I want to say, um, Samuel Hood playing for an, also one of probably maybe even the best team in the queue, uh, the Shakumi Saguenay. Um, so he was having a great year. Yeah, he was at, you've talked about him on the podcast. Yeah, he's been on fire. I mean, you know, he's he's one of those fringe guys. Is he going to get a conch? Because, I mean, he would have to be signed by the Canadians at the uh, at the end of the season if he's going to stay in the organization. He was sort of, I mean, definitely before this season, like it was no way that he was going to get signed, but he's had such a good t- good season this year. Yeah, that, he already uh, had more points this year than he had in all of last year. Exactly. So, so I mean, it's really unfortunate. I mean, especially being on a good team like that who – I mean, definitely they are the top team probably in the queue along with Shearbrook, looking to you know contend for the Memorial Cup. They just got a bunch of uh, of incoming talent as well. They made a bunch of trades to to bolster the team. Uh, on the on same team as another Canadian's prospect, seventh rounder last year, Raphael Hervé Pinal. So it's unfortunate, but he sh- uh, so he has a broken wrist, should be out for two months. But hopefully he can so he, make it back he, for the playoffs. He could be back yeah, for the playoffs. Yeah. So, hopefully I mean, he will. Hopefully, so because you don't because this could be something that really hurts. His career, realistically, yeah, I mean, it could have hurt his chance of getting a contract. Exactly, so especially a guy hope like he comes that. back and comes back strong. Also, yeah, I mean, if he has a good, uh, you know, a solid playoffs and uh, and hopefully Memorial Cup, maybe he gets a contract with the Canadians. But uh, a lot of prospects coming up through the through the organization, so it's gonna be it's tough to get a contract at this point. We'll see. 
And uh, now, finally, uh, let's talk about quickly the Rocket, who uh, what lost two out of three, and that's not good. Yeah, so, I mean, well, they're just on the fringe of the playoffs right now. Yeah, they had three games this weekend. They played Friday, Saturday, Sunday um, against not necessarily bottom feeder teams, but, you know, teams that, the, that they were uh, – I mean, all three were on the road, but three teams you would like to see them beat. Um, so they weren't able to be, to win the first game. Uh, they won seven to five on Friday, and uh, the game on Friday that was against the uh, Syracuse Crunch. So a team that they're sort of chasing, or not necessarily chasing, but right behind them in the playoff race. Uh, so not the best game by Caden Primo, obviously. Um, on Saturday uh, they lost to Lee Valley. Uh, so Lee Valley Phantoms. They lost that game. That uh, for that game. They lost 2-0, so not a bad game by Kincaid, but uh, unfortunately they weren't able to score. And then they lost on Sunday uh, against the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. They lost 6-4, got off to a bad start. Caden Primo led in three goals on four shots, so obviously not, not what not, you want to see. Not, not what you want to see. No, definitely not. Uh, I mean, they, they, tried, they, they made a pretty good effort to try to come back in the game, but unfortunately it wasn't enough. Um, so right now they're sitting out of the playoffs uh, right now. So obviously two bad games, well, not great games by Kane and Primo over the weekend. So and hopefully they, they, he'll be they able to still, back. the other teams around them still have some games in hand, unfortunately. Uh, so the Marlies are a point ahead with two games in hand. The Americans are three points ahead with three games in hand. So these are these are games they just can't afford to lose if they want to make the playoffs. No, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's three games on the road. Obviously, it's not the not the easiest uh, situation either. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're sitting out sitting one point out of a playoff spot right now. Like you said, Toronto does have two games in hand, though. But uh, so two big games over the weekend. They got back to back on Saturday and Sunday against the Manitoba Moose, another team that's under five hundred. So hopefully, a team that they should be able to beat. Hopefully, twice. Yeah, get get a couple of wins there. That, that that would it would be really nice for them to make the playoffs this year. Let's let's see some playoff hockey. If it's not going to be in Montreal, let's have it in Laval. Exactly. At least. That'd be great. And then maybe Paling gets sent down eventually, goes on a run. For the well, I mean, that'd be great to see too, right? I mean, uh, you know, some of these, the the young guys like Fleury, you know, maybe not Kukinemi, but Paling, maybe even maybe Suzuki and Kukinemi, who knows? Maybe they end up getting sent down to, uh, to Laval. I feel like you're cheating run. if you're doing that. You're kind of like boosting the team. Well, so basically what the rule is is that they have to be sent down by the trade deadline. Okay. And then they only they have a certain number of players that they can call back up to the Canadians. Okay, so once a player gets called back up, can he still get some back he, down? He can, but they he only can. have a certain number of, okay. of call-ups that they can But if at that point you're thinking that the season's over, I still I don't think you do that to a kid, to Suzuki with the season. Even Flurry, mm-hmm. if you if he's been a, kind of a full-time yeah. player in yeah, the yeah, NHL for that season. Yeah, I can see Paling going down. Yeah, Paling so, makes I mean, he a spent, lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, he like, spent a lot of time. Unless he's kind of killing it in Montreal and it's helping his progression. That's, yeah. all, that's what it's all about, but... If not, tell them to go dominate in the AHL. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see what happens over the next month uh, before the trade deadline. and uh, It's coming up soon, I guess. Eh? It's it's coming up a uh, month and a half. Yeah, maybe another eight-game losing streak will have Belgian running sailing off the team. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, they could. They've done it twice. Why not thrice? Why not? <laughs> like they say in French, jamais deux sans trois. That's true. We do say that in French. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks uh, for listening. Everyone, as always, follow us at the Habs Forum on Twitter. Send us some uh, questions if you have them. Uh, it's Yen. We hope to get another one from you. We love answering. Let us know what other prospects that, uh, that you'd like to hear us talk about. They're going to be you're doing a we'll poll. We'll do another poll. We'll do another poll next, uh, you know, maybe on Saturday for so next week's episode. If you want a player to be talked about, tell Dustin. He'll put him in the poll. And then maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe. There you go. <laughs>
Alright. <laughs>